0: Okay, so, like I said, um, tonight's lesson is going to be about self-image influences your need for romantic relationships. Um, What I mean by that is that your self-image, the way you view yourself, influences, you know, what you think about dating relationships, influences what kind of friends you have, influences the kind of life that... You're going to live. And so how you view yourself a lot of times determines how you believe others should also view you. If you have a low view of yourself, then you may also accept a low view of yourself from others. If you have a high view of yourself, then you'll expect others to also treat you with respect and kindness and a high view as, as God calls us to. So We're going to talk tonight about two kind of separate things and how they intertwine together. We're going to talk about self-image. What does the Bible say about self-image? How should we view ourselves in the Bible? And how does that help us in romantic relationships? As we're dating now, as we're in middle school, or high school, I think all of you guys are in high school now. Well, um, yeah. Uh, So as you're, okay, let's close. As we're we're dating now. (laughs) As we're going into romantic relationships, um, you want to make sure you get involved with the right person at the right time, and if you have a, a bad view of yourself, if you have low self-esteem or, or low self-image, that can lead to dating the wrong people at the wrong time and leads to a lot of hurt and regret. So first thing I'm going to talk about is self-image. So the first verse tonight is, is Psalms 139, 13 through 14. So I think Caitlin has it, so you go ahead and read Caitlin. So, the first thing we're going to read about our self-worth, and how does does God see us, is God says we're fearfully and we're wonderfully made. And he says he knit us together in our mother's womb. So, even before you were actually born here on earth, as you're being formed in your mom, uh, God actually says he knit you together and that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. So, why is that important? It's important because none of us were made by accident. You know, God carefully formed us from conception all the way until uh, we were born here on earth. And it means he spent time. He spent intricate thought and wisdom into making you who you are today. Even if you think, well, man, this person has this gift, and I don't have that gift. This person has this, 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 and I don't have that, so God must not to love me. You no, know, God created you in a unique way exactly as he wanted to uniquely shape the world for him. And so you weren't an accident. God spent intricate time and wisdom making you exactly who you are today, and he said it was good. And it's also important that if somebody spent that kind of time, it takes nine months approximately for a baby to be born. So if somebody took that kind of time, and even well before that when God was thinking about you, and thinking about who you're going to be, if he took that much time and effort into thinking about creating and making you who you are today, it means he cares about you. You know, nobody's going to spend that much time and effort on something if they don't have to or they don't care about it. You know, people today that spend months and years on a project is because they care about that project. They they, they want that to be successful and they put a lot of time and effort because they're passionate about it and it means something to them. Standing on the marriage, if you love somebody, you put a lot of time in because you want that marriage to work, you want that person to also understand you love them, and you want them to love you back. So you put a lot of time and effort in So the fact that God put all this time and effort and thought into making you who you are today, it proves that God really does care about you. It proves that you are worthy to God. And even exactly as you are with your talents and your abilities, even if they're different than somebody else, it's important to God because He made you uniquely uniquely shaped the world for Him. And then I want you guys to think about this. In addition, God also didn't just make you, you know, something great and it was totally different from who He was. It actually says in the Bible that God made you in His own image. And there's an important point of why that's so important. And so, uh, Victoria, you read Genesis 1, 26-27. will make dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. Awesome. Yes. Uh, that's actually good. There's something there. Yeah, sorry. That's actually good there. Um So, that whole part there, what that means is that God created you in his own image. And so, when God created us, each and every one of us, We're created in the likeness of God, in the likeness of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Why that's so important is because, you know, it's one thing for somebody to spend all that time and effort into making you, but to make you to resemble who they are, then that means it's an even extra kind of love and cherishment. You know, if somebody somebody puts that kind of time and effort and makes something to resemble themselves, that's probably the most prized possession. And And it confirms that in the Bible as he says, God says that Humans have dominion over everything in the earth. You know, we are God's most prized creation. We're the most most valuable to God in all his creation. And in addition to not just a creation account in Genesis, this is even more shown when Jesus comes to earth. He doesn't die for the cattle, and he doesn't die for the horses. He doesn't die for the plants and the insects. He dies for us. He dies for people. Because... We are God's most prized possession. God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Because we were the most prized creation that God created. So I want you to think about that. When you think about your self-image and your word, the world's going to tell you all kinds of lies. they are going to tell you you're not pretty enough. You're not athletic enough. You're not as talented as this person. You don't have this, this, this. So because of that, you're not really valued read the, Bible, the biblical account God saying that I spent time creating you exactly who you are for a reason I created you in my image and you're my most prized creation I, I thought so highly of you that you're the only creation that I sent my son to die for so if you put your faith in him you can have eternal life that's been forever with me because I want to be with you I want to enjoy life with you I want to enjoy eternity with you and so there's a last point here about self-worth and how it then applies to romantic relationships. So we understand that we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God in His image, and we're, and we're, and we're made like this why? To do works He's planned for us. So Aaron, you want to read all of Ephesians two ten? Uh yeah, sure. Enough. So God is saying there that we were created uh, with value. We were made like Him. We were His most prized creation. And then He didn't just create us and say, okay, guys, you you go have fun. I will do my thing. We'll just kind of live life together. God created you with a purpose. He created you with a plan. And, And He doesn't say, I created Bradley with this plan. And I created Gracie with this plan, and all the other people, they didn't really have a plan. They're just kind of here, living life, taking up airspace. Mm -hmm. No, he said that he created all people with a purpose and a plan for each and every person. So that means that even if your talents and your abilities aren't the same as somebody else's talents and their abilities, God gave you your certain talents, your abilities, and your gifts because he wants to use those into his plan that he has for. And the other person that has these talents, abilities, and gifts, he wants to take them and use those for the plan he has for them. But every plan is equally important in God's eyes. And see, that's actually how the church is viewed in the Bible. That everybody brings something unique to the church. You know, Aaron's gifted in this. I'm gifted in this. Gracie's gifted in this. And we all bring our gifts and abilities together, and we form the church body. And each and every role is equally important because as everybody comes together, the body functions fully. If one part of the body doesn't, doesn't do what it's supposed to do, and it's not following the plan that God has for them, then the entire body suffers. And that's what it talks about in Corinthians. You know, say, say Aaron is the lead. If Aaron decides, I'm not going to follow God's plan for my life, I don't think I'm valuable, I don't think I'm worthy, I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. I don't think God really cares about me. Well, then, the leg, you think about this, if you don't have a leg or two legs, this will be pretty hard to get around and do those things, okay? It's going to be pretty difficult. And if Victoria says she has the arms of the church that you're in, and she decides, you know, I don't feel like I don't want to live the plan God has for me, I feel like you know, I'm just worthless, I can't bring anything to the table, and she's not living out the plan that God has for her, well, if you don't have arms, just like not having legs, be very difficult for the body to function successfully. So even though you may not be in the heart or the lungs or whatever of the body, each part is equally important. Because without that part, the entire body suffers. The entire body of Christ suffers. So every person on earth, God created a unique plan, and he created that plan on purpose, not because he thinks it's less of you than somebody else, it's because he knows that the church needs that. The church needs somebody that has those gifts and those abilities, so we can function to its full level. And if you're not living out your plan, the church suffers. So you're an intricate part to the family of God. You're an intricate part to the kingdom of God. You have value, you have worth. And so what we have to ask ourselves is, knowing this, and knowing what God says about us, do we believe this about ourselves? And many times it's hard to. And, and you think, do I see myself in this way? And I think a question we can ask ourselves to really answer that is, the world judges you by who they think you should be, who they believe you should be. But God judges you on who he created you to be. So which one are you living for? Whose approval are you living for? Because the world's going to tell you you need to dress a certain way, you need to date certain people, you need to watch certain things, hang out with certain people, and do this, 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 this. And those things may bring you some happiness for a while, but ultimately, it's not going to fulfill you. And what it's actually going to do is it's going to drive you right off the plan that God has you, right off the path that God wants you to go on. And that's why the devil uses that. He uses deceptions to master deception. perception. He uses things that look attractive, that look appealing, to grab our attention, but think, oh, that will fulfill me. Especially when you're feeling down or you're feeling like, I don't have a word. Somebody come along and say, hey, take this. Or, hey, go do this. Or, you know, if you watch this, you know, it'll fill you up a little bit. But in the end, it actually leaves you more empty than you were at the beginning. And so what God is saying is, don't listen to what the world says about who you should be. Instead, listen to who I said I created you to be. And the more you live in that the more fulfillment you'll begin to have in life. You may not be the most popular kid in the world. You may not date the movie star or whatever you know, but you're going to have a life that has purpose. You're going to have a life that has the joy and the the love and the peace that others don't have. And so I want you guys to think about this. When you start seeking God's approval more than society's, and you see yourself the way he sees you, you begin to lose the desire To chase after things in this world, especially bad relationships, it's okay. Just keep going. Um, I want you to think about this. Listen. Yeah, I can't hear (laughs) anything. That's just air. Hi, listen. So the more you start to believe what God says about you, and you start to feel stronger in the person that God's called you to be, then you don't start. You don't seek after things in this world as much. People start seeking after things in this world when they feel bad about themselves and who they are. When When they feel like they don't have hope, when they feel like they're not loved, when they feel like they're not valued, they search for that in other areas. Some people use alcohol, some people use drugs, but I would say probably the most common one is relationships. If you feel like you're not loved and valued, if you feel like you're not worthy, then you try to seek that approval from a boy or from a girl, typically in a romantic relationship. And when you are desiring the arrangement relationship for that purpose, you're probably gonna look for the wrong people at the wrong time and you're gonna end up getting more hurt than you were before you got into relationships. So I want you to think about this. Self-image plays a huge factor in the dating. Because if you believe highly about yourself, if you rest in who God's called you to be, then you'll wait for the right person at the right time. And then when that person comes along, you'll be ready. And then you won't have that kind of heartache and that kind of regret that you would have had otherwise. I want you to think about this. And I'm going to read this off to you. Um, this is when you need to understand, while you're single, when you're not dating somebody, you have a great opportunity to grow into the person God's calling you to be and to live completely sold out for him. Because think about this, when you're dating somebody in high school or even middle school, especially those relationships, you're going to probably constantly be talking to them, hanging out with them. Sometimes you get worried about where they're at. You know, they get worried about where you're at. Jealousy comes into play. All this stuff happens. It happens to me. It happens to everybody, okay? And so all that's going to take up a long, lot of your time. So while you're not in one of those relationships, you have freedom, that you don't have that kind of weight upon you, you don't have that kind of stress upon you, you don't have that kind of time restraint, so during that time you have that more free time to yourself, spend that time with God get to know Him more and how He sees you, get to know Him on a deeper level and you do that through reading His Word, you do that through prayer you do that through, you know, diving into, into more of what His Word says, you do podcasts and things like that, but I want you to think about this as well It's also a time to work on yourself. While you're single, if there's things you know you struggle with, that's a great time to really work on those things. Whether it's going through counseling, whether it's just talking to somebody, whether it's taking some steps you need to take to overcome something or to be stronger in an area. If you're weak in something, if you feel like there's there's some areas in my life that I'm just not the the strongest in, we all have those. When you're single and you have this time on your hand, that's a great time to work on yourself and grow closer to God. And if you do that while you're single, eventually when God does bring that person along at the right time, then you'll be a more complete person for that person. And that relationship will go much smoother. And so I want, I want, I want to read you guys off in 1 Corinthians, it's chapter 7, and it's verses 8 through 9. And it says, But I say to you, to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them that they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Why not read that? Do you know who wrote 1 Corinthians, anybody? No. Okay, Paul did. Uh, anybody know what the book of 1 Corinthians, who was written to? Anybody know what's in the church in Corinth? Had? No. You Yes. That is part of it. Right, anybody else have an idea? The church in Corinth was notorious back then for sexual morality. Okay. They had a huge sex ball. Okay. So the church in Corinth, they were doing some funky stuff back then, and Paul wrote this letter. 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians to the church in Corinth about their situation and what God was calling them to do. And Paul never married in the Bible. He was one of the greatest evangelists, but he never married. And Paul is telling them to the ones that are widows, the ones that have lost husbands, and the ones that are currently single: Paul's saying, hey, look, if you're single, it's okay. You can stay single. Right. You know? Paul's saying that it's not a sin to stay single. And the reason he's saying that, kind of this church in Corinthians, is because people back then, I feel like, because they were so into the sexual morality culture, is they got a lot of their self-image from how how the romantic relationships they were in. You know, if guys thought of them a certain way, if girls thought of them a certain way, if they would do certain things with them, they begin to to get their self-worth from that kind of relationship. So Paul is saying, look, you don't, you don't need that to find work. You really don't even need to be married to find that. While you're single, you can find out who God has called you to be, and you can live a perfectly good life. And honestly, he's saying it's better for you to stay single than to go out and do things with people that you're not married to and to, and to do these sexually immoral things because you're going to end up with a lot of hurt and a lot of regret and you're going to look back and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And so Paul's saying that while you're single, don't just rush into a relationship. Don't just shoot for the next person you see that looks good. Because if you do that, you're going to end up just like your parents and your grandparents. And you're going to have all of these sexual sins and all these problems. And you're going, to, you're going to look back on your life and say, man, I messed up. So he's saying that while you're single, don't look at that as a bad thing. Look at that as an opportunity to grow yourself You grow closer to God, so when the right person comes along, you're ready for it. And I want you guys, I want to leave you guys with this, about relationships. It's the same chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, and it's verse 26. And it says, I suppose, therefore, that this is good, because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. So Paul is saying that during this stress, during this time, during this uh, current situation, it's okay to remain single. But what I want to challenge you guys with is, are you maximizing your time while you're single? While you're not married, while you're not in relationships, are you maximizing your time while you're single? Mm -hmm. And here's, here's what I mean by that. One way to not maximize your time is to constantly be looking for the next relationship. If you break up with somebody and you're constantly looking for who's the next person I want to date, then your mind, you're going to start getting impatient and then you're going to settle for less than you deserve. Because if you're constantly looking for the next person to date, then eventually when somebody is nice to you or flirts with you, you're going to be like, oh, this will be the right person. And you're going to jump on that bandwagon and it's probably going to be the wrong person. Um, And so when you're not dating somebody, it's okay to talk to guys. It's okay to talk to girls. It's okay to hang out, but don't be so much like I gotta find a girlfriend. I gotta find a boyfriend right now. Because when you're like that, you're gonna end up in the wrong relationships. And another thing I put here is during this time of singleness, are you seeking God's plan for your life? Again, are you looking for your self-image you in Him, who He says you are, and what He might be calling you to? Whether it's missions, whether it's sports. You know, whether it's a band, whatever maybe God's calling you to participate in right now, but to use that for His glory, you know, live in that. You're playing sports, you're doing music, dive into that, okay? Be the best you can at that, but then use it for God's glory. Again, if you're not in a relationship, you don't have that kind of time restraint right now. You don't have that kind of stress in your life. You can do other things. You can expand yourself a little bit more. You can be a little more flexible. Um. Also, are you taking steps and risks without the plan God's for? I want you to think about this. One thing I thought about was there's some people in college, and I know you guys are in high school now, most of you, but when you go to like college, you know, if you're not dating somebody, think about this. You can really go on pretty much do anything you want to because if you're, if you're not dating somebody, you don't have to talk to ask for permission. You don't have to worry about another person in your life. So if God says, hey, go overseas, Go overseas. You know, if you have the money and stuff like that, and you can do some mission work over there. Again, if you have a little more freedom and flexibility sometimes in that singleness. So while you're in that singleness, find out maybe something God's calling you to do. Then maybe once you get married and have a family, you know, that calling may change a little bit. While you're single, God may call you to do some pretty crazy things. And even when you're married. So while you're single, find out what that is and live with it and live in that. And then also. I think you can sum it up here is are you overall growing spiritually and um, I want you to think about this if the right person comes along at the right time whether that's two years from now whether it's five years from now whatever it looks like but you're not in the right place spiritually you may lose the opportunity to be with the right person at the right time because if you're in the, if you're not focusing on yourself and on God and your singleness and really living in that and being content in that, then when God does bless you eventually with the right person, you may be living in a way that is, is not right and that person's gonna see right through you you're gonna lose that opportunity. And so focus on yourself, focus on God and the singleness. Realize that like in the Bible it says it's not a bad thing, it's not sinful. Sometimes it's better to be single than to be in a bad relationship. Um, actually every time it's better to be single than in a bad relationship and so while you're single get ready for the person that God may be leading you to and if he doesn't lead you to that person he'll at least lead you to the person he's called you to be and you, can lead, and you can live that out so if you're doing these things and the right person comes along you'll be ready and the relationship will be set up for success so let me pray for us and we'll close for tonight Lord I just pray that uh we find our worth in you, not in social media, not in society, not in what other people say about us, but who you called us to be. So I ask God uh, for our students, while they're not dating somebody, while they're single right now, ask that they really dive into who you're calling them to be, and dive into what you say about them and grow spiritually. So eventually, God, if you do bring a person along you want them to be with, they're ready to receive that person, the person they need to be for them only for you is so the relationship can be set off on the best possible foot. In your name of Lord Jesus, thank you. Amen. I'll let him pause video.